0: Hey friends, you are listening to Real Talk with Rachel, and I'm your host, Rachel Gilbert. This show is a safe space with real conversations to help you live free and pursue your God given dreams. In today's episode, we are chatting with my friend, Megan Lacefield, about marriage being worth the work. Let me tell you a little about Megan and her husband, Chad. They are high school sweethearts who started out on shaky ground but through hard work and commitment, decided that marriage is worth the work. They launched Built for Two so they could inspire and empower couples of all ages and stages to pursue God and each other for the sake of their legacy. Almost 27 years into this with two kids who are married and two amazing grandkids, they work hard every day to invest in others and sow into legacies for the generations that are coming behind them. They spend their days working. Chad's in the building industry and Megan for a nonprofit ministry, using their gifts, talents and passions for the kingdom. And when they're not working, you can find Chad on the tractor and Megan playing with their grandkids. They love to try new things, listen to live music and spend time investing in the relationships that matter most. So please help me welcome Megan to the show right now. Welcome, Megan. Hello, it's so fun to be here with you. Yay, so Megan's here in person with me, which you guys know I love. It's really my favorite thing to have my guests in
1: person because it's just more fun this way. (laughs) It's definitely fun. I'm learning a lot and enjoying spending time with you. Yes. So Megan,
0: uh, you know, I love to ask my guests, would you did give me a fun bio? Sometimes guest bios are not very fun. Um, But tell us maybe something random or fun about you that we didn't just read in your professional bio. Well,
1: I actually asked a friend on my way over here. I'm like, what's fun about me? And she goes, the fact that you run half marathons for the fun of it. So I have a group of friends that we train to travel. So we run half marathons. Their goal is to get all 50 states. I'm committed to going to the fun, pretty ones specifically if they have a beach nearby but we do we train and we run half marathons as a group not for time but to have fun and invest in those relationships we actually went on a road trip and did four half marathons in four days in four states and six of us stayed in a tiny little travel trailer and we went across the country
0: Okay, I'm still trying to wrap my brain around the four marathons in four, wait, four half marathons
1: in four days. Were they actual races? They weren't big races with a a start and a finish. They were more of a loop that you kind of had to do the same one over and over again, but they were timed, they were meddled, they were all the things, but they're really geared towards people who have the goal of getting all 50 states. So they have these regional races where you can hit multiple states in a week period.
0: Oh, that's cool. So you actually register for it. Oh, yeah. Do you get a
1: t-shirt? You get a t-shirt. You get me- you do get medals. You get snacks. Their snack tables are unmerited because you pass the snack table multiple times. So you'll see people who just, there are people who just walk these and it's amazing. They walk full marathons just for the community of it. Yeah, that's cool. I, I, I asked about the t-shirt because my husband
0: is pretty certain that I sign up for half of the races we do just for the t-shirt I'm always like what t-shirt is it cute what are we talking about here (laughs) it's either the t-shirts
1: or the after party yeah you know the food and the things that you get
0: yeah we're doing the hot chocolate race this weekend and they they give really awesome swag it's like a nice jacket and then there's chocolate afterwards so <laughs> i love it i'm here for the swag i'll admit it i'm here for
1: the burgers that we go to get afterwards because our group we always try to find a local burger joint wherever we are wherever we've traveled to and that's kind of our end of the race prize oh that's cool that's
0: fun all right i like that fun fact i can relate to it uh, okay so i mentioned in the bio that you and chad are just launching so This week that this episode is airing, you also launched a podcast called Built for Two, which is also more than just a podcast. It's a ministry. So tell us a little about that.
1: So our heart, we've been married 27 years, and our heart more than anything is to encourage couples where you are to take your next step towards God and each other. Simply put, we can't change your whole world overnight, and we can't expect you to do that either, but we can give you practical tips and tools to be able to take little things and make steps and strides in your marriage that are going to move you closer to each other Ultimately, the goal for Built for Two is to walk in God's original design for our marriage that He created in the beginning of time when we were, Adam and Eve were in creation in the garden, and it was perfection. And God called Adam and Eve to work and tend to the garden. And if they were called to work and tend to the garden, which at that point was perfection, sin had not entered the world at that point. And if they were called to work and tend to it, why would we not be called to work and tend to our marriages, our relationships, the things going on in our lives? So we have a choice to view our marriage as a garden that is worth the work, and it's about both of us being in it together. The first thing God said wasn't good was for man to be alone. So we weren't part of the problem. We were the solution to the problem, and we get to do this together. So we believe without a doubt marriage is built for two, and when God is the center, we get to walk hand in hand, arm in arm with each other, and ultimately lives and legacies are changed. Ooh, I love
0: it tell me, so on your podcast, you you guys shared some of your story, right? What yes. you've had to go through. Do you want to give, cause I want to encourage the listeners to go listen to that. You know, if they want to hear the full story and get to hear both you and Chad sharing your story, but can you give us the cliff note version of your story? <laughs> Absolutely.
1: Chad and I were very young when we got married, we were two kids going to have a kid and we chose love and we chose marriage. And from that point forward, we began this journey that we call Built for Two. We began this journey of pursuing. And ultimately, I think the thing that drove us more than anything was not necessarily that how bad things were for us growing up, but how we wanted it to be for our kids, for the kids that we were raising. And there was a revelation God gave me early in our marriage, and it was that we were raising our grandkids' parents. So when I think from that perspective, it totally shifted and shaped how we were doing marriage. We were taught early on from older couples who had gone before us how important it was to dig into the Word, how important it was to be a part of a church, how important it was to dive into community. So as we began to practice those things, it has developed our story from these two kids who didn't have a clue about what they wanted or what marriage could be or should be, and almost gave us a vision as we continued to watch other people. God began to sift and shape our own vision for our marriage. I love that perspective
0: of I'm raising my grandkids, parents. That feels like in some ways pressure, (laughs) but also exciting. You know, when you start looking at things down the road, because I think that's kind of the problem we have. Across the board, not only in marriage, but in relationships, period, is we only look at the here and the now. We can't always see the future. You know, we don't think too far down the road. And so we think with um, really just. Uh, what do they call that those um, goggles on kind
1: of or blinders you know yes (laughs) you're
0: not really thinking
1: about the whole picture well and I think for us we have this vantage point of the fact that we started so young I feel like we rushed through so much of our kids younger years because we had to grow up so fast we had to go straight into working I started working I was actually in college and working before I ever had my daughter and from that point forward until until I was in my 40s. So all we knew was that we had responsibilities. We were providing for our family and creating a home. And so I think once they hit those young teenage years, God began to put an ache in my heart for their kids because I knew that God would give us an opportunity for just to love them differently, to redeem what maybe the enemy had stolen because of we did the best that we knew how to do, but we didn't have a full scope of what God wanted to do.
0: Yeah, yeah. So tell us a little bit more about the Built
1: for Two name and how it came to you. So Chad and I, we committed early on in our marriage, whether it required a lot of financial planning or it was more of a spur of the moment, we decided that anniversaries were worth celebrating. We know 27 years into this that we are a miracle and we celebrate that miracle every chance that we get. But early on, we decided anniversaries were important, so we set kind of this goal. We will always go out for our anniversary. We'll do little overnight dates on all the off years, but every five years, we'll plan a bigger trip. So one of our big five-year, I think it was our 15-year anniversary, we we ended up in Costa Rica, and we were with a group of friends. We had rented a house, and I was sitting on the dock, and I could look out across the ocean, and I could see this little island. And... We joke sometimes and say that I live in my own wonderland, but the truth is, is I have these expectations sometimes of how perfect things could be, and I saw that little island. I'm like, how fun would it be to kayak over to the little island and just spend some time over there and enjoy each other? So I told Chad this great idea I had to kayak across the ocean, and he's like, babe, and the Chad voice, babe, I don't think you know how far that is. I'm like, it's just right there. I can see it. So ultimately, over the course of the trip, I wore him down and we got in the kayak and we headed over across the ocean to the little island. Come to find out it was a lot of work and we got to the island. We couldn't even get out at the island because it was just roots. It wasn't even like the sand that you see on Castaway where you can get off and enjoy this island. But throughout the process, there were opportunities that we had to learn about each other and about ourselves. At one point, I remember like I literally wanted to throw my oar, but instead I just sat it in my lap. I quit, I quit on Chad, I quit on myself, I quit on the journey and I was like, this is too hard, I don't want to. Mind you, we're in the middle of the ocean. I don't have the option to quit. And I feel like in marriage, it's the same way. We don't have the option to quit in the middle of our marriage. We have we do not reach our destination until we reach eternity. So we have a responsibility to put in the work, to do the things that we have to do to get to where we're supposed to be. So we also figured out we had to work in rhythm. We had to know our roles. We had to you know, I had to let Chad be the one steering direction. If I tried to steer direction from my seat, it didn't go well for us. So there was this whole process that we went through getting across the ocean, dealing with the disappointment, and then realizing we had to go back across the ocean to get home. And we kept losing sight of our destination. And so our biggest heart and passion in marriages is, Where, what are you moving towards? What is your goal? What is your marriage mission statement? What is your, what are your dreams? What are you moving towards? And we know that if, if I had done that trip by myself, I probably wouldn't have made it back. And that's where built for two came from is that that, that journey was built for both of us to experience together. Just like marriage, marriage is not a solo sport and marriage is not 50, 50. We both give a hundred percent. Every single day we have the choice to fully show up to fully say yes. I love that visual so much,
0: because I feel like I can relate to the or situation. Not only I mean, I've had some moments like that in life, but in marriage where you're like, No, I'm done. You know what? I'm not paddling anymore. I quit. I just quit. So what would you say then to the woman listening that feels that way right now is like, you know what?
1: No, (laughs) So, I definitely in that situation felt like the weaker party. And there are lots of times that I can get intimidated because Chad is so strong. Chad is so disciplined. Chad is so many things that I am not, which make me want to quit at the things that I'm not good at or the things that I don't feel like I bring much to the table. But the truth is, I am more than enough for Chad. God decided as a 17 and 19 year old that we were perfect for each other and we embraced what God wanted to do. And so I would say, if you're in the middle of a hard spot where you want to quit I say, quit quitting,
0: Mm. quit
1: quitting on God, quit quitting on yourself and quit quitting on each other. Because when we choose to quit quitting, then that, that spirit, that thing that tries to come against us, that fear, whatever you want to call it, it loses ground. And the greatest thing that we have in our journey to quit quitting is the community that we've surrounded ourselves with, the friends, the people that we allow into our lives, and the fact that we'll share, hey, I'm really struggling right now. And those are the people that pray with us, pray for us, ask us the hard questions. And when that happens, then that reminds me of the truth. If I'm not remembering where we came from, I'm not going to have the strength and the courage to move to where God wants us to be.
0: Mm, If you're not remembering where you came from, you can't keep moving forward and that brings me to the question that I was thinking of adding a second ago onto this is the destination I think you hit on something a lot of us don't really know where we're going (laughs) you know it's kind of like we're just out in the middle of the ocean paddling and we're not real sure I'm not sure where I'm headed with this thing
1: and I would say ultimately our destination is as unique as we as our DNA Your destination for you and your husband is completely different than our destination for Chad and I. But we know without a doubt that there are ways that God has wired us and created us and things that he's asked us to do. You know, we crafted a family vision statement over a decade ago. And so that's part of our compass. It's part of what moves us towards our destination. You know, we've had big dreams, little dreams, and they're all fueled by what we feel called to as a family. And so it takes us time to develop that. It also takes time to sit down and ask the ask god those questions ask yourself those questions ask each other and ask your kids so it's it's a it's a bigger question than just picking a destination you know when you decide you're going to go on vacation and you get off the map and you use your finger and you just point to somewhere i mean that's one way to look at it but ultimately god's word and the people that you surround yourself with are also a part of what can point you towards the direction and the destination that you have
0: how would you recommend to somebody to craft a family mission statement? I know people probably perked their ears, might have perked up when they said, oh yeah, we did, you know, when you mentioned you guys did
1: that 10 years ago, where where does somebody start if they want to do that? I would say start with, I would say three questions. First of all, what words do you want to describe your family? Second, You know, we talk about at one of the events that I'm a part of, we talk about your marriage eulogy. What do you want said about you and your family when you're gone? So that all encompasses the what words do you want to describe you? What do you want said about you? What do you want your legacy or your history to be? And then what's most important to you? And from there, you're able to take the keywords. And for us, we sat our kids down. We got a giant Post-it board. We got individual colored Post-it notes. We tried to make it fun. We had the kids answer a few different questions. We put it all on the board. And then we went with a marker. And we just circled the ones that were more important. And ours boiled down to a very simple, very easy vision statement. And I I promise you, my kids could probably not tell you our family vision statement, but Chad and I, it's so ingrained in who we are and what we do. And it is translated and transferred through all the generations. Being parents of adult kids with grandkids, it's transferring to the next generation. So ours is simply to love God, have fun, and make memories. And there's a scripture that goes with each one of those. So if you hear our family vision statement, you're like, oh, that's super simple. That's easy. Done but i mean to love god first and most you know we there are words that we want to describe our family we want to be generous we want to give what god has given to us overflowing to the people around us and that's our time that's our words that's our treasures all of it It's all important. We want to laugh a lot. We want to be a family who has fun together and because we know that not everything in life is fun, but if we focus on having fun, it makes the harder things less hard. And then making memories. We want to do the things that we want to remember.
0: I love how simple you made that because it's almost like you took a big vision statement, you know, after sitting down as a family and looking at what's important to you, but then putting it into bullet points that you can easily remember. And I know for us, we've done this with our business and with our family, and it's helpful in knowing what to say yes to sometimes as well. Because you're like, hold on, that doesn't line up with our values. It might for another family, you know, and that's great if that lines up for them, but it doesn't line up for what we feel called to and what we feel like our mission is. And can you imagine how different I feel like our world would be, marriages would be, families
1: would be if we all just stuck to our mission? (laughs) Yeah, if we kept it simple. But yours might be more complex. It Mm -hmm. might have more, you know, it might be more like a spider or an octopus with a lot more arms. And that's completely okay. There are more arms to ours, but it's what's understood and known in the context of our family, of, you know, the DNA of what we live out on a regular basis.
0: Yeah, Okay, so since you brought up that part of your family mission statement is the um loving God, having fun and making memories, the having fun and memories piece comes to mind because you guys just recent well, I don't know how recent you Stepped out of your comfort zone <laughs> completely <laughs> and moved out onto. Uh, do you guys call it a farm? What do you call it? We do. We call okay. it the farm. Okay, so tell people a little about that. Like what you what happened and what you felt God calling you to there. So
1: we raised our kids. Our my heart, my goal, my dream was always to have the house that the kids wanted to come to, to create a safe space where they could hang out. We, you know, built a home. We had the basketball goal for the guys. We had the pool where the kids could play. And it wasn't about the things. It was about the experiences that they were able to have. I mean, I think I had a line of credit with CeCe's Pizza because we always had a house full. We would always get pizza. It was just we knew that this was a safe space and we tried to create that for our kids. So because of just things that happened in my own childhood, I had a huge dream that I wanted my kids to be able to bring their kids back to the home that they grew up in. That being said, my husband had a completely different dream. He had a dream to have land. And so we spent about a year looking at land, more property. And every single time I was like, nope. Nope, it's too far from Target. It's too far from Chick-fil-A. I don't think so. Not happening. So I kept shutting down what was his dream. And then I remember there was a night he was actually reading a book. And one of the questions in the book was to ask the Holy Spirit to remind you of your childhood dreams. And as he did that and shared that with me, it resonated so much in my heart that I was like, I can lay down what I think are my dreams to pursue wholeheartedly what I know are his. And so it was almost like a laying down down to pick up type of thing. So we decided in that moment that we would pursue looking at land. And it wasn't long after that, that this piece of property came up and most people would have seen this piece of property and been like, no, thank you. Because the house on it, I thought needed to be torn down, but got had a bigger plan and gave us vision, gave us friends with vision, if I'm completely honest. And we began this process. So over the course of three months, I had five major life transitions. I had a kid graduate high school. I had a kid graduate college. We sold the house I thought I would be in forever. We bought the farm with a 1,400 square foot, 1927 farmhouse that we remodeled in 30 days. And I quit my job of 15 years in full-time ministry. So all of that happened at one time, culminating to this perfect place of learning what it looked like to seek peace and pursue it. And I had to do it in a whole new way. I had to do it with, I had to lean in hard to my community because there were days that I needed to be reminded what I was doing and why I was here and who God was and where he was in the middle of all of it. But I think through that time, I was able to experience more. And what we have on the other side of that, I wouldn't trade for the world. You couldn't give me millions of dollars to take that place that we call home and move somewhere else because we actually, that farmhouse that we remodeled is on that property. We were able to build a house on the front of it. So my daughter, son-in-law and her daughter live on our property. So we get to see them. I got to see my first granddaughter almost every single day. My son, daughter-in-law and my brand new grandson are actually living in our garage apartment right now as they build their own house because they had their own dream of finding land and building a house. So God created this perfect space for us. To lean into one of the most important things to us, which is to be together and make those memories.
0: Well, I know that encourages me. And what about for the listener who also can relate in that, like feeling that same tug that you're talking about where God's going, I'm calling you out to something different. It may not be to land for some people, but just something, you know, I think as couples, we go through these seasons where God says, what you've been doing is great, but it's time." just like we saw all throughout the Bible it's time to move on. It's time, you know, I'm taking you to new land. I'm taking you to new territory. What do you say to those people who are listening, who are going, but I'm scared about what, you know, I don't know. Like how, how can they kind of break through and get into unity as a spouse about their next steps?
1: I would say, give yourself grace, so much grace, give yourself grace to be uncomfortable because We were talking about this before we started recording, but we ask God to move us from the comfortable to the uncomfortable because in the uncomfortable is where we have to lean into and trust God more than ever. And I would say, give yourself grace to not be okay part of it because it's a transitioning, it's a shifting, it's a shedding of a whole bunch of stuff that we don't really, as a society, we don't really give credit to how much change impacts and affects us. So giving yourself grace to walk through that process of submitting and surrendering to God and what he wants and then submitting and surrendering to your spouse and what they want, it just creates this great place for unity, for intimacy, for all the things that God designed and is equipping us for. Yeah, that
0: grace word. I, I just love that like you mentioned, just saying, hey, it's okay that I'm not okay right now, but we're moving forward still. Right. Even in the discomfort, I'm still moving forward. I think that's such a myth, again, in so many areas that people think it shouldn't be uncomfortable. You know, like if I'm God's will, I shouldn't be uncomfortable. Eh, I have personally found just right when I start to get comfortable, God's like, and we're moving on. I'm like,
1: <laughs> and all, I just got comfortable. <laughs> and all we truly need is the courage and the strength to take the next step. Mm-hmm. We don't have to have it all figured out. And we don't have to to pick every single destination as our forever destination. It's just like, God, where are you asking me today? Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, this question just came to me. And this maybe could be encouraging to somebody. Have you guys ever moved forward in any other decisions that you felt like you're supposed to do and it didn't work out?
1: Well, it's funny that you <laughs> ask that. So what could be perceived as something that didn't work out on the flip side? God used it as an amazing blessing for our family. And what happened was, is we've had a dream for over a decade to have a place where our family could escape, to retreat, to get away. So we bought some land in another town where we had a place to get away with our family. We called it Legacy Ranch. We were incredibly excited about our little piece of property that we could have a safe place to be as a family. And then over the course of time, some things happened and it just it got to a place where we're like, God, is this where we're supposed to be? And because we are surrendered to God, we don't want what we want. We want what you want. We actually kind of put it on the altar and offered to sell it. And we had somebody buy it almost immediately. We It was a quick sale. It was a quick turnaround, but it, it could have felt like a dream deferred. It could have felt like a dream was taken from us. But what we've recognized on the other side of it is it, It fits so much better in the bigger dreams that God has for us that we have for our family. And it's allowing us to be a part of and to do some things that we couldn't do. Both of our kids, like I said, are building houses. And if they were busy going away every single weekend, they couldn't tend to the thing that they feel called to for their legacies. So we're able to cheer them on and support them in that process.
0: Yeah, I love how you brought that full circle because I do think that sometimes we feel like we're supposed to step out and do something, we do it, and it doesn't go the way we thought it would go or in the way we thought. And so we can slap a failure on that or we can go, hold on. I believe that God works all things together for good (laughs) and he brings all things back around to, you know,
1: working it out for our good. Absolutely. And definitely, without a doubt, I can say I see God's hand in that. While there were moments that were kind of disappointing, Mm -hmm. the whole process in and of itself is something that we celebrate.
0: Yeah. All right. Earlier, you mentioned when you were talking about, um, I don't even remember what we were talking about, but you you briefly touched on community for couples and how that's just important to have other believers to speak into your lives and things like that. So, we're currently living in a world that's more disconnected than ever before. I kind of hate that ever before statement because it, it feels overused. But I think in community, it really does apply here. How, what would you recommend then to couples who have you've gone through the season where you have little kids and it's hard to really get plugged into community where you are letting other people see you and you are letting other people speak into your life? Do you have any advice for people who in that season?
1: I would say be the community that you need. Mm. Be the friend that you need. Be the champion that you need. Be the encourager. Be the babysitter. Be the whatever it is that you need in your season. Be that to other people instead of just expecting other people to be that for you. That is one of the things that I am incredibly passionate about is just show up. Show up for people, even if they say they don't need it or they don't want it nobody's going to turn down a cupcake. Nobody's going to turn down a coffee date. Nobody's going to turn down an invitation to let your kids swim. Be the person that you want to have in your life. And I promise you those deposits and those investments won't return void. Either you're going to recognize these are people you want to invest in and you want invested in you, or you're going to realize they're not. Either way, it's a win.
0: Yeah, because either way, you probably blessed them, even if it was for one day of, you know, blessing them with the coffee or something like that.
1: Absolutely. And God's established a group of other couples. You know, we are watchers. We watch couples and we see where they are. Are they moving towards in the same direction? We don't all have to be in the same place, but are we on the same highway? Like it might be a five lane highway, but are we all moving in the same direction? And sometimes there are couples in our lives that we aren't moving in the same direction. And it becomes really obvious And that's not a defeat. That's not that we did anything wrong. It just means God's got something so much better. Mm -hmm. But our community that we walk with regularly, we've been in relationship with most of them for over a decade, some of them close to two decades, which I know is rare, and I know it's a gift. But that's why I want to encourage couples, like, it's worth it. Find your people, invest in them, invite them in, and then just see what happens. So what would you say then to the people listening
0: who – feel like that last part you just mentioned they recognize oh some of the people we've been in community with aren't going in the same direction as us is there a graceful way to not maybe not be as close
1: to them but you know what I mean the old friendship how do you friendship breakup situation (laughs) I think it's kind of like that seesaw it's like sometimes Things are more elevated in your life, and some things sometimes they're just they take up a, a lower place. It doesn't mean I write anybody off, mm-hmm. it's just that their place in my life, I might not have space. And as I navigate that, it's really evaluating how do you feel after you spend time with these people? Do you feel closer to God and closer to them? And if the answer is no, then that's where you have to start and just say, And it starts in prayer. It starts with asking God for what you need. And then it requires us to take a step. And you know, I think about our relationship even with each other and how we've had to choose to take steps towards each other. In the busyness of life, the fact that we are separated by an hour and a half could keep us from being in relationship with each other. But what God said is do the work, press in, try harder, whatever it is. And honestly, every single bit, whether it culminates into a great relationship or not, it's worth it because we learn and grow in the process.
0: Oh, that's so good. I love how each of your tips you've given today, you've given us questions to reflect upon, you know, so we'll have those in the show notes, but even just on that one, like those two simple questions after you're in community with people, like, how do I feel afterwards? Do I feel closer to God? Do I feel closer to them or does it always feel like there's some kind of wall up, you know, that I just can't bust through it no matter what I try and uh, just saying, okay, I don't think that that's a a relationship that I need to continue to give space for in my life. Right. Unless
1: God specifically says, try to bust through that wall. Yeah, true. (laughs) Which there are those in our lives that we have to try harder. I know for me, in my season of transition, when we moved to the farm, I was real hard I was real hard. I I was so used to being in community with so many people because of my job and my position at the church that I was almost tapped out on relationships. So my friends that are currently my closest friends had to work real hard because I needed to believe that they were there for me, not for my position, not for what I had to offer, but just there for me. Mm. And so they chose to press into the harder thing to really pursue me in relationship and in friendship. The, the wives did the husbands did all of it and i think about that time and that season and it solidified who we are today mm. i mean when 18 people show up to your little 1400 square foot farmhouse to have you know dinner on the floor when you're moving it's like god's doing something really cool
0: yeah and i've had those moments too so then let's address that because i know that might come up for the listener how does a li- how do you know when you need to bust through and when you need to give somebody space
1: I would say when it, it keeps popping up Mm -hmm. and when you just feel a burden for them. Mm -hmm. And honestly, if you're willing to ask them, Mm. because my friends kept saying, Hey, what can we do? What can we do? What can we do? So many times that I finally gave them something to do. They showed up with paintbrushes. They showed up with Starbucks. They showed up with Chick-fil-A. They, they just kept pressing in and I finally got to the place where I could receive from them. So I would say if you continue to hit a wall and you feel like you're supposed to press in, press in until it just feels like, I don't, I don't even know how to explain it, except Holy Spirit's going to let you know, like, hey, this is done. And I've had one of those before, but nine times out of 10, when people put up that hard exterior wallets because they're hurting or they have a need that they don't even realize they have. Mm-hmm. So it's asking God, how can I meet a need for them to see if this is a relationship that we're really supposed to press into?
0: Yeah. I love how practical that is. And and even just like you mentioned too, even asking them like, hey, what can I do? You know, just being open and honest about that communication. That's yeah. good. Okay, so we're coming to the end of our time together. We're going to do something different today because Megan's sitting here with me. Um, Those listeners, you guys know I like to do Let's Get Real Practical segment. And this is the part of the show where we take what we've discussed today and we'll make it relevant in your everyday life. So I've asked Megan To give us a very practical, although honestly, I feel like this whole episode has been a let's get practical (laughs) segment because you answer things in such a way that it's like encouragement, but then also, and here's some practical things you can do with it. I don't know any different. No, that's speaking my language because I'm just, I was just telling somebody else this recently. I'm like, you know, I'm all for giving you an encouragement and a rah-rah-ree, but I also am one of those people that I want somebody to go, and hear your steps. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> like, it's all about our next step. Yeah. Okay. So tell me about, you brought me the cutest koozie today. Um, tell me about this let's take a walk activity that you guys recommend.
1: So one of the things Chad and I pride ourselves on, and we say it in fun banter, but we say marriage is a walk in the park. One of our favorite things to do when we feel disconnected is go for a walk at our local trails. And it's not just about a walk, but it's something about being shoulder to shoulder instead of eye to eye that we can have conversations that we didn't realize we needed to be having. And these questions are questions that Chad and I have been asking each other for a long time, way before we ever shared them at a conference. It's something that we practice. And it's this. The first question is this. How am I doing? And that's inviting them to speak into how they think you're doing. And it's not necessarily... How do I think you're doing? It's how do you think I'm doing? And they get to speak into that. And so, so many times we'll say, how are you? But we're not really delving into the truth of the matter. And so when I invite him to speak into my life, it creates a vulnerability and a transparency and a willingness. And I don't get to be defensive. If he thinks I'm distant, if he thinks I am selfish, if he thinks I am distracted, or whatever it is that he thinks I am, I don't get to counter that with an argument. I just get to take that to God and to him and say, okay, what do we need to do about that? And the next question is, how are we doing? As a couple, how do you think we are doing? Because I can feel like I'm disconnected from my husband, and I can feel like things are kind of rough right now. And I can ask him that question. He's like, I think we're doing great. And I have a choice in that moment to go back to my feelings or go to what he said. And if he said things are great, then I have to lean into the fact that things are really good for us right now. My perspective is off why is that? What's going on in me is our conversation I need to share with him, give him another piece of my heart so that we can connect and I can get on the same page. And the last one is what do you need from me? What do you need from me invites them to tell you what they need. And if Chad says, hey, I need you to not forget to pick up my cleaning, I don't get to have 50 excuses as to why I didn't get his cleaning picked up. What I'm hearing is it's important to him that I take care of this thing. His love language is acts of service. If I don't pick up his cleaning, it's not the end of the world like I don't love him. But it just speaks to other things are more important than the one thing he asked me to do. So asking him, what do you need from me? And sometimes it's practical. It is those acts of service items, things he needs done around the house. Sometimes it's just like, hey, I need you to turn off all your electronics at the end of the night so that we can really connect. Or it could be, I need you to come outside and pull weeds when I'm mowing the yard so that it's not as daunting of a task. It can be anything. There's nothing that is off, you know, you can't use. And I love this activity too, because I feel like it
0: combines both how women and men connect because I don't know if you've ever heard this that men connect shoulder to shoulder doing Mm -hmm. stuff together and women we connect face to face like talking obviously you're not face to face on the walk but it's the talking piece that is you know it's
1: the talking and not being face to face Mm -hmm. because you it's less nerve-wracking when yeah. we can say it side by side and you can pick up your speed yeah. or you can slow down or you can say, you go ahead, let me process that yeah. for a minute. However it needs to happen, mm-hmm. but it's just this safe space for us to ask questions that lead to the bigger things that are going on. Yeah, and if you need to take a sprint for a second, you know,
0: <laughs> I like that though. No, I think that's a really great idea. And it's just so intentional and an easy way to just come back to each other. It's that, it's always that turning back Whenever we'd rather face away. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. Well, Megan, thank you again for taking time to come on today. Um, Can you tell the listeners then where they can connect with you and... Uh, of course all the ministry stuff
1: that you've got going on absolutely you can find us at builtfor dot or we are on instagram at builtfor two ig or you can search on facebook built for two with chad and megan lacefield and those are the places where we are trying to communicate and get the word out we have our podcast launching and if you want to head over there find that podcast on whatever listening platform make sure you Check it out. Let us know what you think. Let us know what you want because we're a brand new. We're a podcast baby that is growing into what we believe it's supposed to be, but we want it to be what the people need just as much, if not more, than anything else.
0: Yeah, and you know, guys, that's one of the reasons I brought Megan on today. First of all, I just trust your heart, so I always like to bring people on that I'm like, I know them. I know I can trust her, but I also just love your heart for marriage, and even though this isn't a marriage podcast, I still feel a burden to say, Hey, go check out my friends resources that are just 100% focused on this. And so I also think it's fun that the listeners can kind of come on that ground level with you guys of launching, you know, and go, Hey, we're here with you. Let's build a community together. And for real guys, share their podcast, leave the reviews, you know, all the drills, like absolutely (laughs) it helps so much just to help other listeners then find the show and be able to join the community, everything. So All right. Well, thank you, Megan. Thank you. (laughs) Thanks
1: for having me.